Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. I have a Mr. Chris Reed. Hey there, Chris. What's going on? Not too much. A beautiful sunny day in Las Vegas. How about yourself? I mean, it's not, it's, it's gloomy Kentucky, so it's pretty typical. So I'm not, I'm not you know, disappointed. <laughs> All right. So Chris, why don't you tell us, or begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, so gaming really kind of took off for me in my life. I was about six when it, the SNES came out. Um, was, I think I got, I think parents got me like Mario Kart, but it's in Mario World. Uh, it was a very important day in my life. <laughs> um, but definitely, yeah, from there, just play whatever you can think of uh, across SNES and 64, Sega, PS1. Um, definitely, that was my heyday, that, those, those systems. So everything from, from GoldenEye, Smash, uh, Perfect Dark, um, Final Fantasies, all the, you know, all the way up to about seven or eight, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, then got into, you know, when, went into college, um, Halo 2. When Halo 2 came out, obviously that was a massive, massive deal with Xbox Live. So did, did Halo 1 LAN parties and played WoW for about a year. So, you know, kind of bounced around from a, a number of different games uh, over the, definitely over the years. But it's always been a pretty big staple in my life. And I'm 33, and then my younger brother's 27. Um, and it, it was definitely a staple in his life, too. Um, and he really got connected to Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, we used to play all the time in my friend's basement just like every week. And it was kind of, you know, like hours upon hours, just trying to try to beat each other up on smash. Um, and we started with the 64 and then melee uh, were the two we really played for a number of years, but he's, he stuck to that um, really started competing locally in the local scene around 2014 and then started streaming on 2015. And then in 2018, he got partnered on Twitch and um, he's currently roughly, you know, the r- rankings are, you know, fluid, but you know, he's like 70th, 80th, um, definitely top hundred in the world in smash melee. So that was kind of his story of my story as far as kind of just on the gaming side. Okay. And what is it you do? Great. That's a great question. So there's, it's two different parts. One is, um, content creation within esports gaming space. Um, I do this mainly through LinkedIn. Um, uh, LinkedIn is, is an amazing platform Met so many amazing people, um, I have a LinkedIn live show that's called the level up experience. Uh, it's also across uh, YouTube, TikTok, and other platforms, but, uh, the staple of the content is on LinkedIn and basically the level up experience. I, I just want to showcase people's stories inside the esports, gaming and content creation space. It, and all three of those kind of go together in one breath. Um, but I want to highlight, um, all those different stories because I mean, there's all over the world. I mean, it's obviously gaming and esports is global. Um, and it's just, it's really cool to see where people come from, especially when you talk about, um, you know, we all, we all haven't been working in esports for 15 years. <laughs> that's just, that's just not the case. Now some have. Only a couple I, people have. Yeah. I, I'm kind of jealous to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could say that. Right. But you know, we all have different stories and like, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, you, you either you've worked in the, in the industry for a year or 15 or whatever, but it, it's, I love the space because there's a lot of kind of like, I guess we call us ourselves uh, like, I guess, born again, esports uh, or slash gamers, like, you know, and then like, we, we want to figure out on the business side, like how to get involved. Right. Because a, a lot of all my conversations typically start with, well, I've been a gamer most of my life. Well, I've been a gamer most of my life. Right. That's right. Um, and as soon as, man, it's so cool. Like as soon as I have those business calls and that's the sentence that I hear, I'm in, I am immediately connected, immediately connected with the person on the other line. It's a really cool phenomenon. It's like, it doesn't matter who you are, 
what country you're in or whatever. It does not, what time zone, it doesn't matter because, uh, you know, how old you are. When you say that, that sentence, right, we're immediately connected and it's just really cool to share those experiences of people, especially coming from like a traditional, uh, maybe a, a traditional job or traditional market coming into esports and gaming space. Because also I think the more the stories are out there, the more it's going to push other people to say, hey, okay, this person did that. This person did this in that industry and now they're, now they're in esports. So I like to show you that. I think we, uh, we discussed that both when we were on the phone and last week when I was uh, on your show. Yep. So it's, it's so universal. That connection just is instantaneous. And like, it doesn't matter if they play the same genre as you, the same games as you, you have that connection of the, the lifestyle of being a gamer. Exactly. And the other thing I mentioned too, like gaming was the first thing that gave me confidence. And we talked about this a little bit, but it was one of the first things that, you know, I had to work at and had to really push myself. And I wasn't very good at anything else when I was like six or seven. I was, I was very aloof. I, I, I was not the greatest athlete. I did not do the best on the kickball field. Like I was just, I just wasn't, I just wasn't naturally good at a whole lot. To be honest, I was short. I had two missing front teeth. I had glasses. Um, so, you know, I had a rough little, little patch there for sure. What a turnaround. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, for me it was, you know, but I got to go home and I got to play, I got to play my games. I got to get into my world. Like, and that's just kind of how I felt. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, world-class at gaming either, um, obviously, because I never made it as an esports pro. Uh, but I enjoyed it and it gave me confidence that I could, you know, play Mario world and finally beat that level I couldn't beat, you sure. know, and just that confidence led into actually, and people don't understand this, but gaming led me into athletics, which is the funniest thing. I say that people's face glaze over like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But that the confidence it gave me at a young age says, okay, I'm going to go try this. Like a couple of my buddies went to wrestling club in eighth grade and like, you want to come wrestle? Check it out. I'm like, Okay. Because I have the, I had the confidence in myself. I'm like, I'll try it. I'll see what happens. You know, I'm not worried because I, I got that confidence from all, all, I mean, all the hours of playing uh, Smash and competing. Like, I've been competing. And I don't know. I just – it gave me that intensity on the competition side. And then I got into wrestling and been wrestling for 20 years as a coach and a participant myself and a big, a big part of my life as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, it really did. It really transitioned over. Um, and I don't know if I would have tried it. I don't know if I would have tried a lot of things in my life and stepped out there if I didn't have that confidence that gaming, gaming gave me early. Okay. So you just gave me a whole lot to unpack there. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody at the beginning of these, kind of get some smiles and laughs going, and then we'll, we'll figure out where we're going from there. All right. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being high, how weird are you, Chris? Um, I'll say it. Uh, six. Why do you say that? <laughs> that's a, this is really good yeah I, um yeah i, I don't know that, that's a great it's a great question i'm kind of just middle i'm kind of meh like middle of the road like i don't really stand out um on, on any kind of weirdness i guess i don't know how to really answer all right like i just had a guess he's going out in a couple of weeks he made up his own language so i mean that's pretty weird <laughs> that's that's yeah that's a 10 then yeah so see i'm definitely not at that level and can't i'm definitely not uh, smart enough to do that so all right. I love it. Okay. So you started, you know, five, six, seven playing video games on the Super Nintendo. Um, what, what kind of got you into it? Was it a family member? Was it a cousin? Like, like how did you get your first introduction? Oh man, that's a, ooh, that's a good question. Um, friends in the neighborhood. Um, I'm sure some type of commercial, I'm sure I got marketed to like, you know, as, as we all did. Um, I don't know. And as soon as, I mean, I, I played, I played NES, 
a little bit, but I just, I feel like I've really started playing um, and getting connected to gaming with SNES for some reason. Okay. Uh, of course I played, of course I played duck, duck hunt and, and all that uh, when I was a little younger, but um, I just feel like that's kind of like the inflection point for me. Uh, and then, um, and I was kind of, I was the only child at the time. So it wasn't so much like a, like a sibling thing yet at that point. Um, but again, it was something I kind of just, I saw once I started playing though, like, again, I was kind of, I was, I feel like I was good at it. I started, you know, getting some confidence, beating some things. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is great. So I kind of got addicted to the, um, to like the feeling of beating something and being competitive. You're always winning. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, what are you currently playing? If anything? Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I want to dedicate myself. I talked to my brothers last night. I really want to play smash melee. Like I, and I want to commit myself to it. Like, you know, not just play it randomly. I really want to commit like whenever I can, of course, there's a lot of <laughs> life changes. Um, you know, you have a lot of things going on as you get, as you get a little bit later in life. A lot of times, um, I have two young kids, five and two, two boys, uh, a beautiful wife and just a really blessed, you know, uh, life that I have, I've been able to live, but you know, so whenever, whenever I can though, I'd like to try and play melee a little bit more just, just to be more of a player, Who do you, you know, mean? not just a spectator. Uh, it's funny. Yoshi. Yoshi. So he's a tough which is one. Way, which is way, I know it's way down the tier. <laughs> It's way down the tier. Um, so maybe that will change. Maybe I, maybe I tear up and go on Fox Falco. Um, but if I had to pick right now, it'd be Yoshi. Okay, beautiful. I mean, is it the eggs? You like throwing the eggs, don't you? Yeah, I'm one of those. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's been sad that like I, I've actually, I've, I've misclicked and jumped into the egg a few times and, and I, I actually lost in, we went to a, 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 we went to a Game Force in 2005 for an event. It was a $20 buy-in at Game Force, which is, this was 15 years ago, right? Yeah. It's like incredible. But Game Force had this tournament. We're like, is this real? Are they really doing this? Like, we like freaked out. We we're like, this is, this is crazy. Like, this is pretty cool. So we went up there. It was like 30, I think 30 people came. Like, it was, that was the first thing I'd ever seen, you know, as actually like, you know, an esports competition. And uh, it was pretty legit, man. But yeah, anyway, my best friend, we, we actually pulled each other in the first round. And he went on to the finals. Um, and then I, I the, we got last game, last stock, and I jumped in the egg and fell off the edge. So I have some bad memories <laughs> of, the, of the egg. So anyway. All right. So you're as old as I am. You've been playing almost as long as I have. Um, and all that time, what do you say is your number one favorite game? <sighs> of all time, yeah, I have to say Final Fantasy VII. Mm, okay. Final Fantasy VII. And of course, not an eSport. Uh, I was very much into RPGs, which obviously it's so fascinating. Obviously, have died have died out to the point of they're not esports, so it's there hasn't been that elevation of, of those games. But you know, speed running. I think yeah. speed running is very undervalued right now. It's incredible, and, isn't it, to see what people do? It is, and it, it's interesting. You know, th there's a lot of talks around speed running and whatnot. So uh, I was a big Pokemon player, uh, Gen One. Um, so that's gotta be up there too. Red or blue. If I, if I had to, I've read, gotta go Charizard. Darn right. Go Charizard. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for me, you know, I, I would have to say Final Fantasy seven, um, but it's pretty close, but I would say, yeah, I would say Final Fantasy seven and the remakes coming out and, and we're freaking out about that. I mean, they, they actually have the demo. Uh, my brother just sent me like the demo download. So. Uh, that's going to be really incredible. I love it. I can't wait to check it out myself. Okay, so this is the Gamerpreneur. I got your gaming cred. Let's get to the preneur part. Um, you said you have a, a show, the Level Up Experience, but what is it you do to make money? Well, you can make money making content. 
sure. right? Uh, you know, when you, you know, initially when you, when you, you know, you start making content, you don't start making it and tomorrow, the next day you start making money. That's not the world of content creation. It, it's, it's really is you, you want to do something that you love. You want to make content around something that you enjoy doing. Um, and I, we, we had a great conversation last week on this. Um, and so, so for me, again, tying in my experience myself as a gamer, my brother, what he's done, um, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do something around esports and gaming and just something I can talk about. And again, we talked about this last week too, but like, you know, we're working, we're doing a podcast, we're making content and this is work. So like I, I can, I can wake up in the morning and have the passion to do that and, and push through some, you know, some tough days and whatnot. Okay. So let me, let me kind of rewind for a second. So I didn't mean to like yeah. put you on the spot and you know, like that. Oh, sorry. Why don't you tell me what your professional background is and then I'll ask you how you intend to make money through your content. Yeah. So, um, going back, so we'll go back to, uh, so 2011, I had a fitness company. Um, so I've, I've really been an entrepreneur pretty, pretty much, pretty much my whole life. I mean, I, entrepreneur slash sales. So basically essentially not in a situation where I have a ceiling, if that mm -hmm. makes sense uh, oh, yeah. for a profession. So, I mean, I've always been like that. Um, had a fitness company for about a year, learned a lot there, really enjoyed it. Um, do it bootcamp classes. Uh, and it was a facility for also for wrestling, wrestling training, wrestling specific training. Um, and then, sorry, let me cut out there. And then went on to, so I got into uh, some technology sales, uh, really enjoyed sales because again, you are, you make your own business. I mean, you're kind of running, you're kind of a Eat what you know, you like intra entrepreneur kind of deal. Right. Um, and then from there, got into finance and trading and learning about investing. Love. I, I got my first, I got my Roth IRA when I was 18 years old. My stepdad said, Hey, you need to go open up a Roth IRA. I'm like, what is that? So I, I was very fortunate to have, uh, you know, my stepdad kind of tell me about investing and um, compound interest at a very early age. So I was really fortunate for that. Um, so it always been a part of my life. Um, had money in the market in 08. So went through all that, you know, and that was a really great experience to kind of go through that. And, um, so then 2015, my brother started streaming on Twitch in 2016 you know, he knew I was in that kind of space and really enjoyed doing it. And he said, Hey, why don't you jump on Twitch and stream yourself, you know, with stock charts? Cause he didn't know much about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? No one cares about that stuff on Twitch. Like, why would anyone watch that? You know? And he was like, well, it'd be interesting. Just see what happens. So, you know, we did, um, found some really awesome people to surround me with, uh, to build a team on Twitch. And then we found discord shifted the team over. Um, and we turned it into a business for, for three years um, for basically turning into a trading and investing community. Again, no one told anyone what to do and things like that, but it was more of a social layer of sharing ideas and concepts um, and providing tools and scanners and things like that for the market. So it was really cool. It was really interesting. I uh, had a lot of fun with it, a really great team. And um, in 2019, I had an exit from there. Um, and then we had, you know, it started on Twitch. So obviously I was right, I was like the next door neighbor to esports and gaming. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> right. You and I really, really handles on Twitch. <laughs> right. Well, and I was, you know, I was kind of the, the, the neighbor. No one really knew existed, I guess, because, <laughs> because it wasn't gaming content. It was so, totally separate and no one was doing that stuff on Twitch. So I was kind of, you know, uh, people like, what, are, what is this channel? You know? Um, but I've always been right next to it. And on the financial side, we were, we were always looking at, you know, on the, I guess, fundamental and technical side, we were always looking at, you know, EA, Activision, take two, and, uh, you know, we're always looking at those from a financial standpoint, looking at technical analysis and charts um, and, and looking at their fundamental numbers and things like that and having conversations around that, looking at, uh, you know, when, when uh, earnings reports came out, going through the earnings report, looking at the data, but never on the, on the completely on the esports business side of it. 
Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I would say I've been around it for a while, but in a kind of a secondary kind of way. Uh, and then again, I always kind of felt that transition eventually. Um, cause it, but it just, it's one of those things where you're kind of, you're spending your wheels, like how to get involved with something and things like that. And like you enjoy something, but it's like, you know, how do you monetize? How do you make a living doing it? And sometimes it takes a pro it takes time and it's a process. Okay. Fantastic. So how do you make a living doing it? It's, it's, it's a great question. Um, so again, so there's a couple, there's two different ways. One is obviously through content. Um, and when you initially start content, you know, you're not monetizing initially cause you have to build following things like that. Um, the other is I'm working with startups in the space. So typically, uh, so tech companies, education companies, um, as, as well as human performance. That's kind of the three areas that I'm, that I'm specializing in startups within the esports space. Um, so within those kind of three subsectors, but on, on the board, with, the, with companies and working with them in that way to kind of help them with, get the startup off the ground. And again, most of these companies are very early stage, very early stage. Um, so not series A rounds, stuff like that. We're talking very early stage, but essentially getting go, going from a zero to one phenomenon, working with content and things like that, because we, have, we were able to do that on Twitch from nothing, from zero, you know, zero, nothing, you know, zero people, not even know how to turn a camera on, things like that to where we were. So take, that's kind of the same concept, leveraging that experience and working with these companies to go from a zero to one phenomenon, you know, and there's a lot about great ideas in esports, but how do you execute on it? How are you looking at your content strategy? How are you building your community that therefore, therefore provides feedback to you to increase, you know, better your product or service. And then that feedback loop continues. So just kind of concepts like that, uh, some operational things, but definitely focused on content. Okay. Now, so to take it back, uh, what you're saying is that you use your content in order to find clients then. So you're, you're putting yourself out, you're essentially making yourself a, a case model for your clients using yourself as the model. It is. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because, and you know, this as well, not every person that watches your content as a client, right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, and it's, it's a very niche, right. It's very niche who I work with kind of those three areas I mentioned. Um, but you put yourself out there and then that just, that creates the conversation. Look, content creates conversation. That's something I like to say as well. And content is also your living, breathing resume. I just talked about this last week, but your content is who you are. If you have no content, you actually don't really exist. And if you, and if you don't believe it now in five years, you're going to probably hear this and say, oh, that was right. I should have listened because you're going to get squeezed out. It was, is what's going to happen to you as a business. And I'm, I don't mean to be mean, like I don't mean people be upset, but this is just a straightforward, like if you don't make content as to what you're doing and it doesn't it has nothing to do with just esports and gaming, but in, in whatever you're doing, you have to do that to create that digital footprint and to have that connection with people. Um, so that's just, and, and, and again, going back to, I just enjoy it. And again, going doing the content and talking about people's stories. I, I love it. So I'm doing something I love. I'm able to work with, the other thing, working with, with um, these startups, you know, tech startups, educational and human performance, kind of fitness and health within esports, it's all those things. Like, in my, my, my mind's like blowing up right now because I would love to do all those things, like 30 different ideas. We all have all these crazy ideas, right? So, for me, it was a way to be a part of these teams that are building something really special and something that I would like to have done myself, but you can't start 50 companies at one time yourself. So for me, it was one of those things where, man, I just want to be involved. I just want to bring 
and I can't bring value to every startup out there. I just can't. I, I, I can't help a lot of companies. And I know that. And so disqualifying early, hey, I can't help you is part of my job. Um, but the ones that I can fill a gap for and help them, that's really exciting to me because the projects I'm involved in, are they're, they're absolutely amazing. The teams are amazing. Um, it's almost like, as really as, as an investor because you are investing your time as a board advisor. Now, some, some board advisors give more time than others and it's, it's situations are different. Um, but I want to be, I want to be involved, man, because it's just, it's a lot of fun to me. It's a lot of fun to me to be involved in these platforms as a service or software as a service companies that are part of building the infrastructure of esports. It's just a lot of fun. Um, and there's a lot of amazing projects that's coming on because what has happened, parts of the esports space have went parabolic and other parts of the space are lagging behind. And what you're going to see is essentially the tech infrastructure catch up with some of the parabolicness that's happened with some, with some teams and things like that. So I, don't, I know it's a mouthful, but that's, that's kind of how I'm framing what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, and mainly being involved with some really, really cool projects that get me up in the morning. Like I get to, I get to work with these amazing companies. Right. Um, and that's, it, it just, it gives me a lot of energy. Um, also I have a, I don't know if you're like this as well, but I know some people may like this. Um, I, I have a hard time doing one thing only. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So like I have a very hard time. Like if you, if you, if I had to wake up tomorrow and it's like, okay, your job is this one thing. Like I think I'd feel like, like I'd go bonkers. Like, like just one okay. thing. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I would be suffocating a little bit. So what this does too, this fits my personality of having, you know, being involved in like eight or 10 projects. Again, not you can't spend forty hours a week on every project, right? I mean that that's where all you know the contracts are involved and things like that, and and to the participation that you can add, all the value you can add. Um, but that's that's what I'm that's what I'm doing, and and, and for me, again, the, the content is who I am, people that are interested in who I am and my personality and what I can bring to the table, reach out, and then we figure out if we're a good fit to work together or not. I mean, it's pretty simple. Fantastic. Okay. So it sounds like you kind of got like two like columns of advice you give. You give content creation advice and you kind of give business startup growth and development advice. So uh, my, my purpose of this show is to give as much advice as I can wring out of you to my guests. So how do you grow it? How do you grow your content? Like what's the foundation of, of content growth? For me specifically, and again, um, you know, this is a, can, can be a good or bad thing when you kind of go all in on one thing. Um, and, and I, well, we're on multiple platforms, level up experience, but for whatever reason, I've been, I've been pulled into LinkedIn um, since 20, since, you know, mid 2019, really do, did a lot of research on it. Um, with previous endeavors, I really, I really didn't look at LinkedIn at all. Um, I looked at it as a job board. I looked at it as, you know, like, why would I ever, you know, why would I ever be on LinkedIn? It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, but when I really started looking into it last year, it, it just made a lot of sense to, you know, looking at what posts were doing, like the engagements they were getting. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, I was looking at, well, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of supply of um, esports content, gaming content. And so I was looking at it from that direction. And again, going back to, well, I love this stuff. Um, I think there's an opportunity there to create that connection with people and build relationships in the space. Um, and it seemed like e the esports community on LinkedIn specifically was very tight knit. Not that it's not tight knit on Twitter. It just seemed like it was more of my home as I was consuming the content on there uh, initially. Okay. So it sound, to distill down what you said, basically find where there's less competition and go there. Yeah. It's the scarcity. 
yeah, I th- it, that, that, that was kind of like a top level thing. Um, and then also, you know, as you did more research on LinkedIn, you find out that's where everyone is. That, that's where decision makers are. Decision makers are on LinkedIn. Not that they're not anywhere else, but you ha- the, I think the impact of um, a, a post that brings a lot of value to people, again, has more of an impact on LinkedIn than it might somewhere else. Also because of the organic reach and some of the numbers that I learned, you know, later on. Um, but that was something that kind of triggered in my mind to get involved with LinkedIn and, and to really just build relationships with people and to build that foundation on there. And then from, and then from there, then the peripherals, you know, across, across Facebook, Twitter and everything else essentially. Okay. So that's the level of experience. Now, before that you had a, a Twitch stream or a Twitch channel that you developed into a discord that developed into a lot of money for you. Like what was the, like the trick in order to get your following there? Was it simply just posting a lot and eventually they, you know, if you build it, they will come? Well, number one, it's, it was the team, uh, the people around um, with the team there that, that we built, uh, listen trading and just, uh, just a lot of great people. Can that you discuss that? Community. Like, how did you get these people? Did they come to you? Like what kind of team members did yeah, you Yeah, through, through, through Twitch, through Twitch, Discord, and Twitter. That was, a, those are three platforms. Okay. Um, friends? Were they just random people who showed up and said, let me help? Um, over time, just people build relationships with just an online relationship with nothing, you know, not from a physical office or standpoint. Um, so it was just building those relationships, uh, virtually over time. And if you're spending eight to 10 hours a day, you know, some streams would go eight to 10 hours sometimes, not every day. I mean, those are brutal, but so when you spend that much time with people and then especially like on the audio channel and then getting together, then we did meetups, of course, and stuff like that down the road. But when you're able, you're, you are able to build relationships that way. Uh, and then to figure out, you know, what the team will look like from there. Okay, fantastic. Um, what kind of resources do you use? Um, you know, you had a, a platform that I was streaming on with you last week. What, what is that? Yeah, so that was StreamYard. StreamYard is definitely a platform uh, to kind of look into um, for streaming. It's, it's kind of like Restream, which is another one to look into. Um, Social Live is another one I, I have as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out how to use those in the best way possible. You're starting to see more of these integrated platforms come out for streaming versus, you know, and LBS is great, of course. I've used LBS for hundreds of hours. Um, but I'm looking, there's new, there's new platforms that have been popping up here and there. And then also I have to use that for LinkedIn um, because there's only a few platforms that allow integration for LinkedIn Live, which that was really exciting. When we got when I got LinkedIn Live, and I think it was December, um, that was really exciting um, because again, there's there's only and no one I don't think anyone really knows this number, but I think there's only about a thousand LinkedIn Lives on LinkedIn. So well, I'm sorry, a thousand accounts that have access to go live on LinkedIn. Uh, so you talk about scarcity, that's scarcity right there. What's the criteria there's, to be able to do that? Great question. Uh, there is none. It's, you know what it's like? It's like old school Twitch partner. Like back in the day, Twitch partner, you had no idea. You're just like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to, like, you're just like, I'm going to send in my application and we'll see. Um, now Twitch partner, you've got to have, you know, 75 concurrence and stuff like that. Um, but with LinkedIn live, it's, it, there, there is none. Um, I think it's about the volume of content you're putting out there. Um, you may have to, you may or may not have to apply more than once. Um, it's it being persistent just with the content that you're putting out there. I think, um, I, I don't think there's an exact number. I, I don't see anyone with LinkedIn live that had less than 5,000 followers on there. I mean, I don't know if that's a metric or not. 
but it, I think it's more along like the lines of which I think they also may look at your engagement on the posts that you're making. So, I mean, you can make a thousand posts, but if no one's engaging on it, I don't, I'm, so it's still, and it's still in beta. Um, February, 2019 is when LinkedIn live started. So I would assume that it's going to be, you know, public potentially this year. I mean, no one knows, no one has any idea. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I, I really enjoy it. I'll have to check it out myself. See if I qualify. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to apply and, and see what they say. Okay. I want to go back to my original question was how you're making money. So you have the level of experience. You're looking to get clients, you know, get them to see you, see you in action, decide that they want to hire you. Um, do you have any bigger plans for it than that though? Uh, that, that's a great question. Um, and the answer to that is kind of a couple, a couple of prongs on it. it. It's honestly, and I know this may, this may sound bad. It's more of a feel like a wait and feel like I'm more of a, like, I mean, I have a couple ideas with it. Um, you know, I, I really, number one, I, again, I just want to just continue building as many tight knit relationships with people in the space as possible. I know it sounds generic, but that's how you build strategic alliances with companies and, and helping them and providing value for them uh, on either on, for on a company level or individual basis. Um, I mean, that, that's really, that's really what I'm trying to do. And then from there, what I've noticed is it, it, the more, if you can, if you can bring more value to people than they bring to you, right. Over time, opportunities will show opportunities will come. Like I don't want to force things. I don't, I don't want to force a product down people's throat and like spam and send this and there. Like I just want it to happen organically. Uh, now we're build, building a web. I'm working with a firm to build a website um, and a lot of other things I'm trying to do to, um, you know, work on the reach and things like that. But it really has been, it really has been a case-by-case, company-by-company basis and really figuring out, am I a good fit to, to work with them through the conversations we have? Um, and it really has, it really, you know, to be quite frank, all of it's happened on LinkedIn. And I know it sounds crazy, um, but- Let's talk, about, let's talk a little more about LinkedIn because that's essentially yeah. where I got started with this, this show as well, is I went to LinkedIn, okay. started reaching out to anybody I could, got guests, and then rolled my way to you, right? Yeah. Um, what advice would you have someone for starting on LinkedIn? What's like the first step? Say it's brand uh, new account. What do they do? Yeah. Start posting. I literally start posting. I mean, and it, and you look, stop with like, Oh, I got to plan it. It's got to be this perfect. Like it, it take five days to post something, you know, write it, you know, post something that you're passionate about that you enjoy spending time doing and just start posting. I mean, it could be about making chocolate. I don't know. I mean, literally, <laughs> I mean, I, it could be really just about anything on there um, because of who you're able to, to connect with. And, you know, you look at making a post on Twitter and you make the same post on LinkedIn and the engagement sometimes is 10, 20 times as high. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Which uh, one are you gonna those hashtags on? actually go places on LinkedIn. Exactly. The discoverability on LinkedIn is great. Now I will say this, this isn't going to last forever. Facebook, I had Facebook for my business in 2011 and it was great for us for that fitness company that I had to, to, you know, on a local basis, obviously. Sure. Organic was amazing back then. You posted a, a local group, everybody showed up. Yeah. And our page did very well and things like that. And then we used Groupon, of course, and some other things too, that kind of helped. But the videos we posted in 2011 on Facebook was incredible. Like that's how we really kind of got going. So it's the same thing. This is Facebook 2011. And I'm not just saying that because other people say that I'm saying that because I went through Facebook 2011 with a business. Like I know what this feeling was like. 
So this isn't something new, actually. This is, and it's funny, and you know this as well with your experiences, you know, you look at something that's been successful in the past and just replicate it. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Model okay. works. It's like, all right, this is Facebook 2011. All right, I'm all in. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say other than that. And then from there, again, but you can't, and the other thing too, though, I mean, you can't post trash. I'm not saying post trash and, you know, randomly post random stuff. You're going to put some thought into it and things like that. But you, you don't have, to, it doesn't have to be like the highest production value ever where everything's real glossy and, you know, everything's 4K video and it doesn't have to be that. Um, yeah, I do uh, yeah. on my cell phone. That's it. Yeah, right. And, 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 and I think some people actually, it's kind of interesting. I'm not saying 4K video is bad uh, because, you know, we'll be doing some more high production value over, the, over time too. But it's good to have a mix of things. It's good to, I think, sometimes have a video where you can hardly see you, you know, but you can you can hear barely, and then also having you know high production value, depending on the platform and stuff like that. Um, but uh, people like real, um, and sometimes real means being in your car and just doing a video on a thought you had. Like that's, I, I think they're, they're, I think those potentially can be more relationship building than a really highly productive video. Not saying those are bad. Absolutely. Okay. So let me ask you this. Oh, you're back. Okay. Um, you've been doing level of experience for about six months now or so. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you go back in time and talk to little Chris and say, little Chris, you know, six months ago, uh, this is what you need to do in the next six months to just 10 K what or 10 X what we did. What would you do? What would you say? What should we have done back then? Yeah. What advice you've, you've been in this for six months. You have to have learned a couple things. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Through, I would say through the content, um, one thing that we're going to be doing coming up is actually doing series, a series for, for the content. So for example, we're going to be doing a series for content creators. So like for the next 10 interviews, it's going to be just content creators. So it's, it's, it's more, it's more hyper-focused uh, strategy over the course of a couple of weeks where it's like, you know, if you tuned into episode two, you know, three, four, and five of the next couple of weeks is going to be about content creation. So I think people's mindsets are more tuned into what you're going to be talking about, I guess. Okay. So I think um, I could have definitely done a better job at that. Um, so what we've done with that, we basically it's been kind of jumping around in different genres which I don't, I don't necessarily think is bad. Um, it just maybe it's something that we could have done. Do you have a schedule? Like, cause last week I asked you and you said you didn't really have a schedule. Have you decided on a that's schedule? That's a great, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, Wednesday, if I had a schedule where we only did one live stream, it would be Wednesdays at noon Eastern. But the, the volume person in me wants to do more than that, which can be bad, I think potentially uh, at times. So, you know, quite frankly, I've been doing as many as I possibly can and that may sound bad or throw against the wall and see what happens kind of deal. Um, quite frankly, I'm just, I'm in the, I'm in the build, build the library mode uh, of, of bringing on, um, you know, bringing on guests within the space and just, just documenting as many stories as possible at this point uh, that bring value to the, the people listening. Um, you know, and I've had a few responses like, you know, keep bringing out the content, keep bringing out content, like thank you for posting needs and things like that. So, you know, it's more about listening to what people are saying and just kind of running with it. Beautiful. Um, 
what advice would you have someone entering the gaming business now? So kind of the other side, the mm -hmm. content creator, now you're, you're, have your consultant cap on, what would you say? Yeah, for, for gaming and esports, if you're getting up to the business side, you mean maybe, maybe transitioning from a traditional side? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, going back to it, but you got to start documenting, document your change, document and make content that is spe specifically saying, Hey, guess what? I'm getting into the space, looking to build relationships. I mean, literally that's, what's going to help bridge. That's going to create that bridge from where you are now to where you want to be in the space. So you're going to have to put yourself out there in that way. Like that's the only, that's, I wouldn't say it's the only way that's the, the quickest way to build long, longer lasting relationships in the space, because in the end, it is about relationships and having com real conversations with people. You know, con con content is great, ob ob obviously, but alongside of that, having phone calls and talking to people, that obviously helps tremendously as well. So that, that, that's part of, I mean, I think one day I had, I think one day I had eight phone calls and it was just, it was networking calls, you know? Um, so you're building up that trust and relationship with people and you're trying to figure out like, what can I do for you to better your, you or your business or what can I do for you and not even ask for anything like do it out of, I just want to help. Like, how can I help? And that's with any, that's also with anything as far as like, if you want to break into a space, you may have to work for free, whether it's, you know, as an intern or you're making content, which takes a lot of time, which you're not getting paid on, but you're building those relationships and, you know, the exposure of, Hey, this is what I want to do. I'm putting myself out there. How can I help somebody with the skills I have essentially? Beautiful. Fantastic advice. All right. Now, Chris, you've had some wonderful success in your life. You've done some incredible things. If I may, can I humble you for a second? Yes. All right. I'd like to talk now um, about a failure you've had in your life because I don't want everybody to think that you're a Superman. I want everybody to understand that, you know, we're, we're all imperfect. We all have issues. So what are yours? A specific failure or a specific just failure. what happened? Uh, what went totally wrong one day? Yeah. Uh, I, I would, so it's funny that, um, my, my fitness business, um, you know, we, we were able to, you know, get clients come in, things like that. Um, but it, it was just me. It was my first business made a lot, made a lot of mistakes. I, I, uh, rented a facility and it was like 9,000 square feet. That's pretty it good. Was, it was huge. And it was a very bad decision because the rent was outrageous um, compared to the revenue, obviously with something that's brand new. But my mind was, well, you know, the whole concept of, oh, well, well if you build it, they will come, you know, or if you will rent it, they will come, <laughs> you know? And I, I learned the hard way that I just couldn't catch up with, you know, the rent in place. But I had a one-year opt-out just in case, you know, that didn't work. So I was able to get out after a year opt-out. And so, you know, some cases, if you don't have that opt-out, you're in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I learned a lot with that. I really did. Um, and, you know, I, I started that business with cash. It wasn't on debt or leverage. It was my money. So, you know, it was almost kind of like getting an education. It was almost like kind of going to a college and say, all right, here's 30 grand. Um, oh, wow. I learned a lot there. So move on to the next thing. And I did. I mean, I learned a ton. I mean, just like when you mentioned like Facebook 2011, if I wouldn't have started that company, I would never have knew what Facebook 2011 even meant mm -hmm. for a business. I didn't go through that. So it, it, it was definitely, I definitely made a lot of mistakes with it. Um, and I got too big of a space because I was trying to combine two passions. I was, 
I, we had to get a wrestling mat. And it, those that are in like, you know, high school, college wrestling, you know how big mats are. They're huge, huge. So for me, so I had to put a whole mat down, which made me get a huge space. It all sounded great. You know, oh, we're going to do personal training on one side and wrestling on the other. But it just, it created, you know, just too high of rent, essentially. I had way too big of a space and we just couldn't scale. Um, and that's why it had to shut down. So for me, when it was, it's just crazy, but going through all that, that led to, you know, going through something and then saying, all right, that didn't work. These things weren't, <laughs> I made a lot of bad decisions with that. Um, but learning about social media, branding, um, just going through that process. Um, but also learning about not leveraging your business either. Not, not saying, not saying that debt is all bad. I'm not saying that, but over leveraging yourself. Um, because that, that is a potential issue with, with a number of companies. Yeah. Can I go back um, for a second? So when you were discussing, you know, when you were starting your business, you said you paid cash, you, you put in your cash rather than going debt or leveraging it. Um, right. why is it a good thing to use debt? Why isn't it? Why or, is it? I mean, but it, yeah, this is, this is kind of hard. Um, I, I don't mean to say that, you know, debt for in a business setting is bad. Uh, you can obviously feel it for growth if you have the right, you know, I mean, companies have grown because of debt before. I mean, we all, we all know that obviously. Um, but I think if you are a, a very, a small business and I, I just think that, you know, in my experiences, you can over leverage yourself. Uh, and it just, it just creates a, a just ton of stress. Um, now look, bigger operations, you know, I think scaling and things like that, I understand where it comes into play. Um, but also the environment that, that we are, the economic environment we're in as well. Um, you know, debt being so cheap, you know, debt is cheaper now than any other time in history as far as interest rates. Interest rates are the historically low right now. Um, so until that changes, you know, leverage is still, and people are going to still lever, leverage. Now, once those rates start going up and debt becomes more expensive, that's, that's when things get scary on a number of different levels. Um, so I don't know if that answers it does. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, what's, what's something people seem to misunderstand about you when they first meet you, Chris? Probably that I'm obnoxious because I'm loud. Um, I get this a lot with like in my coaching. So those in the wrestling, you're in the corner coaching. I'm, I'm very, I'm extremely loud, um, which <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, those that have seen it. So I guess it come off, I come off a very, uh, very aggressive, maybe, maybe potentially, uh, maybe potentially violent. <laughs> I, I hope not, but I hope, I hope that's not the case, but just because I'm loud doesn't mean I'm obnoxious. Um, okay. I think that's probably, that's probably the first thing. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Now on that note, uh, how do people find you? Where are you at? It's like social media wise, what, how do they get in touch? Yeah, well, obviously LinkedIn. Uh, now it's Chris Reed, C R I S, no H. Um, so you know, I'm not Christopher Reeve. I'm not Superman. Uh, there is no H in Chris. C R I S R E D on LinkedIn. Um, Instagram, Twitter is going to be Level Up EXP. Level Up EXP, and then we're on TikTok. Um, we just crossed 10,000 followers on TikTok. We're really trying to use it more and figure, just just and it, try, try to basically trying to find myself on there. You know, I think everyone is on TikTok. It's very interesting. But we Tell uh, us, I got 74 followers on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a very interesting platform. It's really cool. Um, yeah. So we're level up experience on TikTok and 
yeah, that's that's the main the main platforms I'm using. Okay, beautiful. Now, as you bring this in for a landing, is there anything else you want to talk about, or something I didn't ask? You think we need to cover still? No, I think I think that's it. The only other thing I could think of, um, if someone has thought about making content, and it's like one of those things where whether you're you're just you're scared to make it because people are going to kind of judge what you're doing, or um, or you just you just haven't been able to kind of step out and do it. It, it really is. We said it before this that your content is who you are. From a, from a personal branding slash business branding perspective. And if you don't get started, technology is, it's, it's just going to make people and potentially companies, it's just going to crush them. It really is over time because that's your digital footprint. That's who you are. You, your content is your resume. Your content is going to be a resume. So as we start hiring, we're actually going to start hiring, you know, this year at some point, um, a couple of positions and, um, I want to see your YouTube. I want to see your content before I even look at your resume. I know that sounds crazy. I know people don't agree with that, but that's okay. Um, I'd rather see all that because I think that tells the story of you versus a piece of paper with a bunch of letters on it. Not that I'll ever look at a resume. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's secondary to who you are. How can you show me who you are if you have no content? Absolutely. Fantastic. All right, Chris Reed, thank you so much for coming on with us today. We really do appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, gamerpreneurs, please go back and listen to this one again. He gives some fantastic advice. All right, thank you all, and you all take it easy. Hey, if you like this podcast, I'd love to invite you to check out a little bit more about me, Dr. Bradford Carlton, the Gamerpreneur. If you go to my website, www.thegamerpreneur.com slash bonus, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book, The Warcraft of Business, where I explain my history in both gaming and business and how I brought the two together in order to create some very successful companies and help a lot of people. And all you got to do is pay for shipping and processing, and I'll send you this book. I absolutely know you're going to love it. All right. You all take it easy.